The sponsor for the Shepherd's Crook podcast for the month of April is Media Gratier. Media Gratier is a nonprofit Christian publisher and filmmaker producing documentaries and multimedia Bible study curriculum with the emphasis on the means of grace and church history. You can visit mediagratier.org or themeansofgrace.org and see the documentaries they've created and are distributing like The American Gospel, Through the Eyes of Spurgeon, and Logic on Fire, The Life and Legacy of Martin Lloyd-Jones. Also great for small groups or Sunday schools, family worship, or individual study is their 12-week multimedia Bible study series, Behold Your God. These series are made up of two components that work together, a 13-week DVD set and a 12-week daily devotional workbook that has each participant in the scriptures on their own during the week. At the end of the week, the group gathers and watches one of the 13 DVDs together and then discusses the work they've done in the scriptures that week. Each DVD is made up of three parts, a historical introduction shot on location in England, Scotland, Wales are up the east coast of New England, highlighting a figure in church history whose lives illustrate the subject we're studying that week. Then there's a half-hour sermon from Dr. John Snyder, the series author. And finally, there's application points made from men like Paul Washer, Steve Lawson, Ian Hamilton, Sinclair Ferguson, Conrad Mbiwi, and many more. Take a look at themeansofgrace.org for much more on Behold Your God Bible Study series. And while you're there, Be sure and check out and listen to the Behold Your God podcast that goes up each week with Dr. John Snyder and Media Gratier director Matthew Robinson. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. All right, well, welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I'm here today with Ryan Hughley out in Salt Lake. Well, I'm not in Salt Lake City. He is. But Ryan, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, man. I'm pumped to do it. Absolutely. Well, let's pray, and then I'm going to throw a bunch of questions your way, and we'll just see where this goes. Sounds great. Father, we just thank you so much for the privilege of, of getting to talk about life and ministry and mm-hmm. just ask that you would lead this discussion. I pray it would be fun. I pray that the, the people who are listening would be encouraged and edified. And, and ultimately, as always, we want you to be honored. And, and I know that Ryan would want that as well. Mm-hmm. And I just thank you for uh, this opportunity and just lead it. Holy Spirit, I trust you will put a big mm-hmm. spotlight on Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. For those who may not know who you are, or what you're doing, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and and what you're up to now in ministry? Yeah, absolutely. So I was born in Corvallis, Oregon. Uh, My dad, biological dad split when I was three. Uh, So my mom and my younger brother and I moved to Northern California. Uh, When I was five years old, I got an ear infection. She took me to the ER. She hit it off with the ER doc. They ended up getting married and uh, he adopted my brother and I uh, because my biological dad was out of the picture. He rejoined the Air Force, and so then we started to move. We went to Rapid City, South Dakota, then we were stationed at Langley, Virginia, and then I went back to Rapid City for high school. Uh, I got recruited out of high school to play football uh, at a small Christian university in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, so ended up there in 1999. I met a church planter. Uh, my freshman year. Uh, I'd grown up in the church, but it had never crossed my mind that new churches were being started um, because I just was not really a part of churches that were invested in that work. Went to great churches, but they just were not church planning churches. Right. 
And so that just, it just kind of blew my mind. I, I was there for five years. I watched this church go from 15 to 500 people and um, wow. more people than I can count that came to faith. And uh, it just really changed the trajectory of my life. And so I ended up planting um, uh, our first church in 2009. My wife and some friends, we planted in Chicago, uh, Redemption Bible Church. It's doing awesome. I was there for, I think, just over seven years um, and then transitioned it to uh, one of our other pastors uh, who was there. And he's the lead pastor now and has just led through a merger with another church and is just doing a phenomenal job. And uh, took a large existing church in North Carolina, uh, pastored there for uh, 15 months and uh, learned a ton, had a very difficult and trying 15 months, uh, to say the least, but learned so much. God was super kind, built some great relationships, but it just became clear uh, after that, that, um, that my time there was done. And so Tam and I felt like church planning is kind of in our blood uh, at this point and that it was time for us to plant another church. And so uh, through a series of conversations with a friend, uh, we kind of made a last minute trip to Salt Lake City felt like it fit our two criteria of we were looking for a place where we really wanted to live for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was strategic to plant churches. Uh, less than 2% of Salt Lake City's population will attend a Bible-believing church on Sunday morning. And we're the fifth fastest growing city in America. Um, so Salt Lake is literally the least Christian churched city in the United States. Uh, We don't show up on any of the studies because they include uh, Latter-day Saints in those studies. And, uh, but when you remove uh, that segment of our population, it's less than 2% that's evangelical or Bible believing. So Mm. uh, we really felt like if you're going to find a place that's strategic to plant churches, the least city, least church city in America is probably it. So we've been here coming up on two years uh, this fall and uh, we launched publicly last September, so we're about six, seven months in, and uh, it's just been an amazing, it's been the most fruitful, important, meaningful uh, couple years of ministry of my whole life. Man, that's great. That, there's so much there that is just intriguing, and it's cool to see that, that you're there in a least church. You know, you don't think of Salt Lake City as being the least churched city no. in, the, in the nation, but... That's fantastic, man. Thanks for bringing us up to speed on that. Yeah. So, so call, call into ministry. A lot of my listeners are young guys that are looking to go into ministry. Yep. Uh, I do have some pastors that have been walking with the Lord and, and in pastoral ministry for several years, but yep. the majority of those who are listening in are, are those that are just trying to find their way. You know, they may be bouncing around to some churches or in youth ministry or yep. in seminary, something like that. And, you know, each person's conversion story, you know, we have one gospel, but the way that God brings us to the good news of Jesus is, is pretty unique from person right. to person. And then the way that God calls us into ministry, both internally and externally, is there. There's some commonalities there, but there are some uniquenesses there. So tell tell me about, uh, you know, you, you'd mentioned growing up in the church, and but tell me when you were. Let's go back. When were you converted? And then, then you're called into ministry. What that yeah. look like? Like how did you know? Okay, I think God's built me for this and wired me for this. And how did you get brought into pastoral ministry or church planting? You said mentioned church planting, but how yeah. was that process of, of becoming a pastor for you? Yeah, I mean, I so I I did. Uh, I was very blessed to grow up in a Christian home. Um, have had a very wide, diverse background denominationally. Um, but when I was seven, we were attending um, a an Assemblies of God church on Sunday night, and I distinctly remember it was a warm 
it was, um, there's no AC in this church or something, but it was hot. And uh, I remember our pastor preaching and he gave just an old school walk the aisle. Your God loves you. God made you. You're a sinner. And he sent his son to, to live and to die and to rise again for you. And mm. if you want to give your life to Jesus, then, then come forward because I'd love to pray with you. And I walked that aisle at seven and uh, I meant it you know, as much as you can at seven, uh, for sure. But I was baptized there shortly after. Um, I follow, I I had a relationship with Jesus, certainly all the way through my teens. Um, I was not, he, I, I would be lying to say that he was at the forefront of my priorities. Um, Mm -hmm. I cared about like football and girls. That was pretty much it. And, but I was still always in the church and, um, I started to play guitar and to lead worship and uh, took a mission trip in high school to Haiti that was pretty pivotal for me. And I think God used all of these kind of tentpole events in my life to, to continue to reorient my priorities and my affections to him. And mm-hmm. so that, that call toward him and commitment to him became stronger and stronger with time. And, uh, so my plan though, I think end of high school going into college was like, I I was really enjoying writing songs and playing music. And, uh, I had kind of thought like, if I can't really make it doing that, then I guess I could be a worship leader, which was such a horrific attitude. (laughs) Uh, but that's kind of where I was at. But the more that I was privileged to be able to lead worship, the more I really fell in love with that. And so when Tammy and I got married in 2005, um, I was hired about a week later full-time at another church in Chicago as a worship pastor. Okay. And I did that for about three years. And through that, um, I, I think what I liked about leading worship more than the musical end was helping people learn to worship God, to genuinely become worshipers. And over the course of that, those few years, I, I started to sense uh, a stronger gift in preaching than in music and teaching and communication than music and thought that I had a better opportunity to form worshipers if I was teaching the Bible than if I was just leading songs. And uh, so then um, I had a really, I mean, as far as like the call to church planting, which I think really solidified my pastoral call for me, I I did have a very internal uh, call to ministry that I then confirmed externally. Uh, It was in a, in a, in a church business meeting. I think we were talking about like a building fund for this first church I was at. And, um, I just heard God say to me, not, not audibly, but internally that, um, that your journey's never going to be easy. I haven't called you to follow men. I've called you to plant the church. Those, I, Mm -hmm. I remember it clear as day. And uh, so I left that meeting, was super overwhelmed by that because that was not really in my plan or on my radar. But right. I met with five you know, people that I really trusted that knew me and shared this, uh, this story. And every single person said, yeah, I can totally see that. And um, so that really solidified it. And then in 2009, we stepped out and we planted a church. That's great. So you said the first church you planted, you were there. For, so you were a worship pastor for three years at a church. Then you're yep. at the first church you planted for seven years. Yep. And then 15 months at an established church. Yep. And now two years strong in Salt Lake City. That's right. Yep. Okay. So how do you know the difference between being antsy mm-hmm. and um, maybe how do you know the difference from running from a church situation and 
God actually calling you out of a church situation? Because so many, you know, there's uh, articles out that are in praise of the, you know, the, the long pastorate. And yeah. I think all of us want to be in a place and want to mm-hmm. be grounded somewhere for our families, for the, the long haul. Yeah. But often in ministry, like in your case, that doesn't happen, you mm-hmm. know, where it's, you know, several different factors play into it. For me, every two and a half years for the last 10 years, God yeah. has transitioned us out of one position to another yeah. position. And then we've been now in this, in our church for three, going on a little over three years. And so for you, how did you know it was time to go for those that are out there wrestling and struggling and thinking maybe God is calling us to go somewhere else? How, how did you know it's time to move on? Yeah, I mean, I I think just principally what I'd say for sure is do not allow anyone to elevate one uh, one type of story as as like ultimate. I do think that there are tremendous pros to being a pastor in one place for a very long period of time. Mm -hmm. And Paul never did that. And I feel like he was a pretty good good Christian. And um, so I just think we have to be careful about that. There are pros and cons, I think, to whatever. I think think what is severely lacking in the hearts of a lot of uh, probably Christians in general, but maybe pastors in particular, is just a self-awareness about who they are and how God has wired them. Mm -hmm. Some, Some pastors are exceptionally entrepreneurial. And to be... Uh, in one place for a long season of time, maybe God has gifted them in a way where they're supposed to be serial church planners, the way the apostle Paul was. Right. And I, and I think that's great. So I think what matters is you have to know yourself for me. Um, you know, so the way that I knew it was time when I was a worship pastor, the way I knew it was time to step out and plant is that the church closed. So I had to do something. It was pretty clear there. The decision to transition from redemption was much more arduous. And um, I believe that God was sovereign over it, uh, over the decision. And uh, it was just an exception. It was six months of prayer and mm-hmm. counsel. And, and I would be, want to be vulnerable enough to say that I had a mixed bag of motivation inside of my heart that some of the reasons that I left, I don't think were the right reasons. Okay. And, um, and I got used a lot of that 15 months of difficulty in the next place, exposing and destroying idols in my own heart. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, but as far as like when I knew it was time to leave that and go on to what's next is I really, I mean, for 15 months had, had really labored, had come to the end of what I believed I was capable of doing to try to lead toward what I understand church health to be. Mm -hmm. And I also have a very high view of, um, eldership within the church that the elders hold the, uh, God has entrusted them with the authority to lead the church. And, um, I don't believe that it was my job to go to war, um, for a different vision than what an existing elder board had. Mm. And so I made the decision that, you know, it's, it's time for me to, to go on to, to something else. So that, that's kind of the way that each of those, uh, of those decisions happened for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's good. And it seems that it was pretty clear. And even though there was some mixed motives, mm-hmm. I, I resonate with that. You know, I look back in ministry transitions in our lives and yeah, in, in a lot of ways, God made it really clear f- with us by just slamming doors shut and opening yeah. doors. Kind of like the, you know, when God shuts the door of the first church plant, you know, you got to do something else. Right. And yeah. Lead you on. And, and, you know, we've experienced some, some things like that. And then along the way, we've experienced some really difficult situations, you know, where it's, to be in a ministry and being a part of a local church, for goodness sake, is to open yourself up to risk, not just as a pastor, but as a church member. Sure. Is, 
to open yourself up, up to community, to love and to be loved in a community of people who are not Jesus, but who love Jesus yeah, is to say, we're going to be in a community, but given enough time, we're going to hurt each other, not intentionally, yeah. but it's going to, there's going to be some things that are painful. My wife and I have experienced some pain and God really spared us from bitterness and mm-hmm. uh, just hard stuff, man, with, yeah. with leaders. And have you experienced anything that you'd, you know, be willing to offer up to say, Hey, I've gone, we went through, you know, my wife and I went through a really difficult season and this is how God came through for us. You know, this mm-hmm. is how God sustained us. And, and instead of burning out and kind of washing our hands and walking away, we pressed on by the yeah. grace of God. So we've all been through difficult seasons. Tell us about a difficult season. You don't have to share details of anything, but just, yeah, yeah. and how God sustained you through it. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when we moved to North Carolina, um, I, I for sure ha- was guilty of what I do believe is one of the chief idols in many pastors' hearts, which is measuring success by the size of a church. Oh, you do and, that? Yeah, yeah, just me. <laughs> um, I think what's really difficult, truthfully, about one of the many things that's difficult about being in ministry is that it's so easy to baptize idolatry in the name of serving God. Like it sounds my, my, it, my internal thinking and logic at the time really was, I have an opportunity to um, shepherd and preach and lead more people. And I want to be the best steward of the gifts that God has given to me. And I want to make the biggest impact I can with the days that God gives me. All of that, that I just said, I think is good and holy and righteous. Mm-hmm. And all of it, was intermixed too with, I want a bigger platform. Hmm. And so God gave me a bigger platform and I built some great relationships. I think I became a way stronger preacher and leader. Uh, I learned so many lessons and it was uh, difficult every single day that we Hmm. were there. And uh, so I think that God really tore down that idol in, in my heart. And I think the, the way that he's been faithful truthfully is that, that, you know, now being here in Salt Lake city and being back in a day, you know, we moved here, we didn't literally didn't know anybody. And it's a, it's a weird thing to go from, from pastoring a church of a thousand ish people with a staff of, you know, 15 to just my kids. (laughs) Like that was our whole church was just us. And it was a very, it was a very jarring experience because it happens in a moment. And, um, but I have found joy by God's grace. I have found joy in, in nearly every single day since we've been here, regardless of the size, regardless of uh, the size of our team, regardless of where our church is at. Um, because I I think that God really did some deep, deep work in, in both of us. My wife said when we were in our last week, she said, you know, I think one of the, I think that God brought us through this experience to kill a thousand little gods in our hearts. And, um, I think God's really faithful to kill competing idols in our hearts. Mm, that's good. He's really good at that. He is very you know? skilled at it. <laughs> uh, let's talk family for a minute. So your, your wife, yeah. you said your wife's name is Tammy. Yep. And, and how many kids? Three kids. Uh, Ava's getting ready to turn 11. A writer's getting ready to turn nine and Lincoln is getting ready. Uh, he's six and he's still okay. got a ways till he turns seven. Gotcha. So for you, ministry through the years, three kiddos, your wife, family doesn't have to be made the priority. Family is the priority mm-hmm. for, 
for any Christian man, mm-hmm. how, how is it that you maintain that priority of a family, giving the best of yourself, the best of your energy, the best of your critical thinking? How, what does it look like, family life look like for the Hughley family from week to week? Do you have a family mm-hmm. day? Do you have a, a Sabbath day that you take? Um, what does family fun look like? How, mm-hmm. Practically speaking, how have you in your schedule made family time yeah. the same kind of priority that your family actually is? Yeah, that's good. I mean, I think one of the things that we have said, even when we started planting redemption was that uh, a person qualifies themselves in the home before they qualify themselves in the church and vice versa, that you disqualify typically in the home before you disqualify in the church. And so we have been very intentional about keeping that front of mind. Um, and I think practically, uh, I mean, I, I guess just on the tactical end for me, I, I'm really, really protective of my nights. You know, I know a lot of pastors are out a lot of nights and mm-hmm. I just am not. Um, I'm a maximum of two nights a week. Okay. And even when I'm out at a night, um, I don't do it until after 7 p.m. Um, or after my kids go to bed. I'll go out okay. for one or two meetings. And uh, that might sound crazy to some church planners who are running all over the place all the time to, be, to meet with anyone and uh, for me, I can't speak for all church planners, but there is a, there, I think one of the reasons that we spend ourselves to the degree that we do is we don't actually trust God to mm-hmm. build a core team, to build a church, to do all of those things. And we have this sort of little Messiah complex that we have to be at, at the beck and call of everyone when they make the call. And the truth is people are pretty flexible. And, and yeah. I have never had someone that's like, I have to wait a week to meet with you. Like, what kind of pastor are you? <laughs> I've never had anyone push back on that. So I really protect my evenings. Um, and that's important for my wife and I and for our family. And so I, again, mm-hmm. I think what works for us, it, it might be Saul's armor for someone else. I think you need to right. know your family. And I think that, I think pastors should do a better job of talking to their spouse and asking them what's helpful. What, what do you need? How can I be the best at this? Um, so I'm really protective of nights. Um, I am home for breakfast in the morning. I'd take my kids to school in the morning. That's important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think daddy dates have ebbed and flowed. There's been seasons where we've done that really consistently. Okay. And then there's seasons where we don't. Um, family devotions, especially as our kids get older, um, seem to be yielding more and more fruit, uh, especially conversationally with them. Mm-hmm. I think I started trying to do that when they were like four and I was just, this just is very frustrating at four. So <laughs> that's, so um, my sons are four and one. Yeah. And, just do oh. your best. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it usually includes like, you know, Bob Seger's old time rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, yep. And then a little bit of Jesus storybook Bible crying right. and yelling and then prayer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like me not wanting to, have to do this ever again is usually where <laughs> we're at that age that this hall ended, but it has become as they're older, we're starting to have better uh, conversation. Nancy Guthrie has a, a family devotional. I can't remember the name of it, but it's something about it's a, it's designed to be devotionals around the dinner table and it has okay. questions built in. That's been really great for us. That's what we're using currently. Okay. And you said um, if that comes to you, let me know, cause I'll put that in the show notes. Absolutely. And, uh, so we take, uh, I take two days off, which, um, I haven't always done that. I used to just take one off. Uh, I take Monday and Saturday off. 
Um, so Monday, we live in Utah. So Monday's Mountain Monday for me and for my wife. And so in the winter, that means we snowboard. In the summer, that means we hike. Awesome. Uh, and so we try to do that uh, as much as we can. Tam and I uh, have a, um, we don't have like a uh, every Friday's date night, but I try to have a general rhythm of having a, a night a week that she and I are together, uh, a quarter, uh, once a quarter that we're getting away for an overnight and then some sort of retreat vacation time annually for us as well. That's a few days long. Um, and then Saturday is our family day and you know, we hike and snowboard and try to do stuff outside and, um, movie night, pizza movie night is like sacred in our house, maybe more sacred than anything that we do. Um, so yeah, we just try to find the rhythms that work for us and invest into those. All right. At this point in the show, we had a technical difficulty. So I just thought I'd jump on here and remind you of the giveaway that we have going on. It's a Media Gratier giveaway. They are sponsors for the month. There's a really great three-film giveaway. And if you just go online and look at the Twitter page or Facebook page or our website, you can find that and follow the link, sign up, and hopefully you could be the winner. They're giving away the American Gospel, Logic on Fire, The Life and Legacy of Martin Lloyd-Jones, and Through the Eyes of Charles Spurgeon. Three great films that I think you would really, really love. Now, back to the show. I've seen you online, at least on Instagram. I think you've ran a Spartan race before. Me and a buddy of mine, a couple buddies of mine, we've ran, I think, seven or eight Tough Mudders now. Every yeah. year, we train for that. Here in two weeks, I've got a river-to-river -river race. And awesome. I try to get to the gym. It, it River to river is like a relay. It's an 80-mile relay. And I just, I love running. It, at this point, it doesn't really require a lot of discipline. It, I just enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so I see you out, you know, or at least training for those sorts of things. How, how important is physical fitness to you? And why should pastors, I mean, should they? Mm -hmm. And if they should pursue physical fitness, why? Yeah. I mean, I think biblically speaking for me, uh, one thing that is is really important is that I, I believe it's a stewardship issue that just like God has entrusted finance to us, he's entrusted resource and gifts to us. He's entrusted our bodies to us. And I think that we have a um, biblical obligation, if you will, um, to steward that well, the same way that we do everything else. And I, I think that with obesity, um, being as prevalent as what it is, I think truthfully, one of the most countercultural things that Christians can do is to care about the body and to be good stewards of it, not for vanity's sake. Um, but there are also practical things around the fact that um, I'm more alert, I'm more focused, I think more clearly, um, I feel better. And I really want to be a, a thing, uh, something that really clicked for me was I just, I wanted to be able to, I want to be able to play with my grandkids, like be on the yeah. floor and, Good. and to be able to do that. And a lot of people can't, you know, and that's really a sad thing to watch happen, especially when it doesn't have to. So, um, yeah. about, I don't know, I think it's been three or four years now that just became something that Tammy and I were really serious about as we've mm -hmm. gone through moves and transitions um, you know, we have done, we've been more faithful in that from, you know, depending on the season that we're in and how we're doing and all of that, right. but we're pretty locked in uh, again now as our lives have sort of calmed down. So it's something that we really, we really care about and that we, um, put a lot of time and effort into because yeah. it has a way of impacting every other facet of our lives. 
Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Right, so how old are you now, Ryan? Um, I'm 38. Are I'll you be 39 in close? October? Okay. October what? I'm on October birthday as well. I'm October 2nd. Okay. October 24th this year, I'll be 36. Awesome. And last week I set a PR on a 10 K I've been running for 12 years. The next morning, kid, you not walking through this, you know, walking through the house, going to pick up my son, dad, mom, I'm away. Pitch black. I break my toe. Oh, the very next morning, two weeks before the river to river relay race. And so I tried to go out running today and I'm just not ready. It's been six days and just not ready. It was yeah, brutal. man, toe, toe stuff is brutal. brutal. I, I but I love seeing toe. that. I love seeing pastors who take their health. Yeah, oh. it's brutal, man. Yeah, yeah, it is, man. It's no fun at all. But, uh, okay, so if you could give advice to yourself, right, getting into ministry, church planting, pastoral ministry, talk to these young guys and just give them a few, some advice that you would give guys that are listening in, that are just now getting up, getting started in ministry. What advice do you have for, for those guys? Um, get some counseling uh, would be one. I think that whatever, whatever, um, if you have any sort of trauma in your past, um, an absent father, um, some sort of abuse, anything like that, that you have not, uh, effectively worked through, then that is going to be, it's not going to get better with time. Um, mental health has been a real issue in my own family, uh, my extended family. And, uh, so I have seen the way that if you ignore it, it's just, it's not going to get better. So I, I would really encourage, um, especially young people thinking about pastoral ministry to deal with the things that have happened to them in the past. Um, I also think that through that process, it'll really help you grow in self-awareness, which I think is, again, uh, a very important component to, be, to faithfully leading other people. Um, this sounds like kind of a duh, but unfortunately I'm not sure how frequently it happens. I just, I think the more that you can pursue and maintain intimacy in your relationship with Jesus, the better uh, we're in this kind of fresh wave of moral failures mm. um, yeah. with a lot of, of uh, influential leaders inside of the Christian church. And, and I just don't think that anyone gets into ministry to, to make those mistakes. And I also don't think that someone is faithfully following Jesus on Monday and then yeah, wakes up on Tuesday right. and they fall. There's, there is a long season of drifting that takes place. And so that doesn't have yeah. to happen. You have control over whether or not that happens. And it happens when you stop pursuing intimacy uh, with Jesus. And so I think, I think that's, that's the big thing. And then just working through uh, I don't know. I just really, I trust God to why I feel like these questions, um, the, the advice that I hear from people is always really good. And a lot of the time there's, there's some advice in this, like, you know, don't define your success by numbers. You hear that you're like, okay, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And then you do. Um, mm -hmm. but the great thing about the Holy spirit is he's just super faithful at dealing with those things in us. Yeah. And so trust that process, submit to his leadership, um, repent a lot, pray a lot, uh, let other people speak into your life, have friends, don't isolate. I think all of those things are critical to faithful and fruitful ministry for the long haul.
Man, that's so good. This is this has been a lot of fun. There's a lot of great stuff in there. I think we could probably tease some of that out and talk for for an hour and a half longer. But just want to thanks thank you again for coming on the show and and My uh, pleasure. for all your listeners. Yeah, and maybe, maybe we can do this again sometime. I, I I would love to keep in contact and maybe we could do this again. I would love that, man. Anytime. Yeah. So listeners, thanks so much for for uh, for again opening your phone or whatever and and tuning in. And uh, thanks, just thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.